Wake Forest head coach Steve Forbes has a history of transforming portal guards into superstars. Is former Gonzaga guard and five-star prospect Hunter Salas next in line? You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily year-round national college hoop show, part, of course, of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Andy Patton, and I want to thank you all for making Locked On College Basketball your first listen or your first watch of the day. As a reminder, we are over 850 subscribers now on YouTube, trying to get to 1,000 before that NBA draft. So if you're out there listening to the show and you have not done so yet, just go to Locked On College. Go to YouTube. Go to Locked On College Basketball. Hit that big red subscribe button. All right, today is a big SEC Friday. We're going to close out the show discussing a pair of transfer portal additions to the conference, as well as a pair of Kentucky transfers who found new homes, what that means for them. Uh, But before we get to those SEC stories, we are going to lead with the ACC, and we're going to lead with one of the biggest stories of the week. Former Gonzaga guard Hunter Salas entering the transfer portal after the season has finally found a new home for so long. It felt like he was going to end up at Nebraska, course that's his home state he's one of the he, not one of he is the only five star from the state of nebraska one of the most prolific high school basketball players the state has ever seen he toured nebraska he checked out the campus he was seen there and then he commits to wake forest and at first it was a little bit of a shock a little bit of a surprise just because we hadn't heard them as a name that was super connected to him all that much but really it makes so much sense for a reminder on who Hunter Salas is. Uh, he, his numbers at Gonzaga are not going to jump off the page for any wake forest fans, any ACC fans, anybody who is plugged into the show, but maybe doesn't know a ton about Hunter Salas. You're going to look at his basketball reference page. You're going to see four and a half points, 2.2 rebounds, one and a half assists per game for Gonzaga last year, a team that very famously was criticized for not having a significant amount of guard depth of guard talent, uh, they, the guard did not score against UCLA in that Sweet 16 game, and Julian Strother hit that three to send them to the Elite Eight. The guard struggled significantly against UConn, ultimately ended up ending their season a little early, ending the career of Drew Timmy. And so I think a lot of people are going to look at this and think, well, you know, if he's a five-star kid who couldn't crack, uh, who did crack the rota- rotation but didn't crack the starting lineup at Gonzaga, what does that mean for him at Wake Forest? And I'm here to tell you, really good things, really, really good things. There was a lot of criticism or uneasiness around the fact that Hunter Salas didn't play more at Gonzaga last year. Many felt that he should have played a bigger role. He's a elite on-ball defensive player. He did have some issues with fouls, and that would sometimes take him out of games. He'd come into the game, commit two fouls in his first five or six minutes, and end up sitting for the rest of the half because Mark Few has always played fairly conservative, conservatively with his foul trouble players. So I do think that that played a role in Hunter Salas's somewhat limited minutes. But I think also he's a player who's just going to thrive in a different system. He's going to thrive with more opportunities to be creative, uh, less rigid within an actual offense. And I think we're going to see that really pop. And I think I don't I can't think of a player or a spot that would have been a better fit for Salas than Wake Forest and coach Steve Forbes, because. Steve Forbes have done this before. This is not new to Steve Forbes to take a guard who maybe underperformed uh, or maybe didn't reach expectation or maybe just wasn't a good fit in their previous school, bring them to the Deacons and see them explode and succeed. You want examples? Great. I got three of them for you. I got three of them in the last two years that have happened at Wake Forest. Alondis Williams, uh, fantastic example. He, of course, spent two years at Oklahoma, transferred to Wake Forest for that 2021-22 season. And guess what he did? 
He won the ACC Player of the Year. That's right. In a conference with Duke and with North Carolina and Miami and NC State and go on and on and on. Wake Forest guard Alondis Williams, after two okay seasons with the Sooners, goes out and averages 18.5 points, 6.5 rebounds, win Player of the Year, and now is in the NBA. He only played one game last year in the NBA, but he is a player who has now reached that threshold as a professional basketball player, something that maybe didn't look all of that possible, all of that likely after his time at Oklahoma. Tyree Appleby just finished his collegiate career last year at Wake Forest. He began his career at Cleveland State, sat out a year while transferring to Florida, played two years at Florida, and he was good with the Gators. He was a double-digit scorer at Florida, so it's not like he was a complete no-name when he came to Wake Forest. But he joins Wake Forest for the 22-23 season just this past year, 18.8 points. Six and a half assists, 1.8 steals, all ACC team. He's going to go play professional basketball this season, and he has significantly increased his draft stock, his perception around professional ranks because of what he did at Wake Forest last year. That's two. Third, Jake LaRavia. Now, LaRavia is a little bit, he's a big guard. He does count as a guard. You could probably call him a wing, call him a forward, whatever you want to say. But LaRavia spent two years at Indiana State transferred to Wake Forest for that 21-22 season, and along with Alondis Williams, put together a really, really productive, well-balanced season for the Demon Deacons. 14.6 points, 6.6 rebounds, 3.7 assists, 1.7 steals, and one block per game. Again, if you were playing college fantasy basketball, you would have loved to have Jake LaRavia on your squad. He did a little bit of everything. Also was an all-ACC performer. Now he's in the NBA with the Memphis Grizzlies. Three guards, Three from, from different walks, different situations. Two of them came. Two of them came directly from Power Five programs. One came from a mid-major program in Laravia, of course. One of them in Appleby went mid-major to Florida to Wake Forest. Uh, Hunter Salas is going to come from technically not a Power Five program, but coming from Gonzaga, it's a mid-major. It's a, a high-major elite program uh, that he's transferring from. But th- we've seen this recipe before. This has worked. You could call Steve Forbes a guard whisperer of sorts. And part of it is just allowing these players to come in and have more freedom, play within themselves, play this the, with the skills that they have. And that's what Hunter Salas said when speaking to the media after committing to Wake Forest. He was asked about why he chose the school. And he basically said, I'm going to read a quote from him here. He said, I want to be able to show off the offensive side of my game. I have a coach who will believe in me and some great teammates, so it'll be easy to get down there and win. I can score at all three levels and manipulate ball screens. I'm a good playmaker who can get downhill in transition and be able to make the right play. And a lot of this we did see from Hunter Salas. He's an elite transition scorer. He's a high-level athlete. He can get in, he can get out in transition. He can score that way. At times when he would try to take over games and be aggressive, you could see that the pieces were there. He just didn't get a lot of opportunities to do that at Gonzaga because they filtered their offense through Drew Timmy at such an incredibly high rate that it didn't really allow a lot of other players to really get significant offensive opportunities. Julian Strother is kind of the only other player who really got those opportunities for Gonzaga. So a player like Hunter Salas just kind of had to be more of a defensive specialist, more of a presence on that end of the floor and wasn't really gifted as many opportunities to showcase those offensive skills. They're going to show up at Wake Forest. I can guarantee it. And I think we're going to see, is he going to average 19 points a game and win ACC player of the year? I don't know. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Not as long as Kyle Filipowski is going to be back in the ACC, but can he be an all ACC performer? And can he put together, you know, average three times as many points as he did at Gonzaga? Yeah, I think absolutely that that's possible. I, th- I don't want to say likely necessarily, but it wouldn't shock me. 
wouldn't shock a whole heck of a lot of people who watched him play at Gonzaga these past couple of years as well. And Wake Forest needs some reinforcements. Tyree Appleby is gone. He's not coming back. Davion Williamson, he's gone as well. He's got average nine points per game and started 14 games for him last. You played 27 minutes a game. So you lose Appleby, you lose Williamson. Uh, you have a lot of minutes to go around in that guard room. They have made another addition in the portal, and that's Central Michigan's Kevin Miller. Miller averaged 14 points, five assists, shot 36% from deep last year for Central Michigan. So he's a huge addition. He's a bit more of a traditional point guard, which makes me wonder if they're going to play Salas a bit more off the ball or if they're planning to have Salas be the traditional point guard and maybe have Miller be more of a sharp shooting kind of catch and shoot guard, which is not really a strength of Salas's. So it'll be interesting to see how Forbes puts the, puts the pieces together here, but obviously Miller's a good addition and Salas is an elite addition. And I think there's a real possibility that we're looking at a player who's going to be challenging for ACC first team or even player of the year uh, in this system under coach Steve Forbes. Well, Severe Wheeler and CJ Frederick, both Kentucky Wildcats last year, both no longer Kentucky Wildcats. We're going to talk about the new homes that they found away from Coach Calipari, how they fit their new digs, all of that coming up after a word from today's sponsor, Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all of the sugar and calories, then you need the best tasting protein bar ever built. If you're like me and you don't want to you don't want to make or you do want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, then I've got just the thing for you, Built Bars and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy and taste amazing. They taste so good that you will not think that they are healthy for you. What makes them so good? Well, they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how they do it, but these bars taste like candy bars while maintaining amazing macros. They only have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. But now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club while you can still get specialty flavors at Built.com. So head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-count box of cookies and cream or double chocolate bars. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with Built's Hit Flavors, Brownie Batter Puff and Churro Puff. You can thank me later. Built, a proud sponsor of the Locked On Network. Folks, I want to thank all of you for making Locked On College Basketball your first listen of the day. And for you everyday listeners, next week on the show, we got so much more Transfer Portal updates. We're going to continue to keep you updated as we see players continuing to enter the portal. We've seen a handful of very, very high prolific players enter the portal in the last couple of days. So for folks thinking that we've already seen the majority of the additions or the majority of the high-level additions, that may not be the case. So we'll keep you posted on all of that stuff right here on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Again, available wherever you get your podcasts, available on YouTube as well. For now, we're going to talk about Severe Wheeler and C.J. Frederick, two key pieces to John Calipari's team last year, now with new programs as of this week. We'll start with Severe Wheeler, who is headed to Washington. Wheeler's going to play at uh, UW with coach Mike Hopkins. And look, we shouldn't be shocked by this because it seems like a whole heck of a lot of players are leaving Kentucky and going to Washington. Wheeler is going to reunite with Keon Brooks 
Brooks spent the 2019 through 2022 seasons all at Kentucky with the Wildcats, transferred last year to go to UW, and he had a glow up his final year at Kentucky for Brooks, 10.8 points, 4.4 rebounds. And at Washington, that bumped up to 17.7 points per game and 6.7 rebounds. So we have seen why a player like Wheeler might look at going to UW and think, hey, that's going to boost my numbers because it sure as heck did for his teammate, Keon Brooks. Quade Green also was at UW, or excuse me, was at Kentucky from 2017 to through 2019, transferred to UW and spent a couple of seasons there as well. So there's been a lot of movement west from Kentucky over to Seattle to play at UW. Wheeler's next in line with that. A player who didn't really quite find his groove last year for the Wildcats. Injuries really disrupted his season. He played 21 games for Calipari last year, 14 starts, ended up losing some starting spots to Cason Wallace down the stretch as as Calipari kind of figured out how to adjust his lineup and figure out what was going to work the best through a pretty pretty hideous stretch of games in, in January for the Wildcats. A Wheeler finished the season averaging 7.7 points, 5.6 assists, 2.3 rebounds, shot 43.5% on twos, but he did shoot just under 37% from deep. So he's still got the, the outside shooting. He's an elite distributor, a uh, lot of skills, a lot of things going for him. And he should step right into a, a big role for UW right away because UW lost pretty much their entire backcourt to the transfer portal this offseason. Keon Menefield is the biggest loss. He is now at Arkansas with the Hogs. Noah Williams is in the transfer portal. P.J. Fuller is in the transfer portal. They have not found homes yet. Colba Gemma entered the transfer portal as well. He is now at Utah joining a Pac-12 rival there. Uh, the Huskies have made some additions. They added Moses Wood from the University of Portland, who I think is a fantastic player and a great addition for them, but he's a six-foot-nine stretch four, so he's not going to help out in the backcourt. The guard they did add is Fresno State combo guard Anthony Holland, and that is a nice addition for them as well. Holland and Wheeler should put help put the pieces together for Mike Hopkins and the Huskies as they look to rebuild after another disappointing season in Seattle. And I kind of wanted to address the fact that three Kentucky players have gone to uh, to Washington in the last couple of years because it's that's probably not a coincidence. And in fact, I think some of the reasoning here is is fairly simple. Uh, Hop and the Huskies focus on defense. They play a zone defense. Hop, for those who don't know, was a long, long time assistant coach under Jim Beheim at Syracuse. Was the expected person to take over the head coaching job, but Beheim. <laughs> took him a very long time to retire hop eventually decided to bounce and went to UW has been the head coach there for a while hasn't had a ton of success quite honestly I think Syracuse fans are probably going to be a little bit happier with Red Autry taking over that program going forward but uh, hop up you know, we'll see how much more opportunities he gets but for for the program they focus on the zone defense they focus on how can they make our defense as elite as possible and if you watch them there's not a lot of offense happening it's a lot of isolation basketball it's a lot of one-on-one it's it's less about running specific plays and so I think it is appealing for players who maybe just want to go hoop in that sense and aren't necessarily wanting to uh, be constricted by a specific offensive flow or or, you know we kind of talked about it with Gonzaga and Hunter Salas like we don't want to be in an offense where uh, we're trying to get the ball to somebody else for them to score and that's not the case at UW, for better or worse, mostly worse. They have not been a good offensive team in a long time. They have not been a good offensive team under Coach Hopkins. So I don't think you're you're 
you're bringing yourself into a system that is going to be good offensively overall, but it might be good for you. And in Keon Brooks, that's kind of what, what happened for him. He went out and averaged 18 points a game and, and great. I mean, he was good last year. It's not that he played poorly, but it didn't help Washington be a particularly good offensive team. I'm curious what it'll mean for Wheeler, a player whose primary success at the college level has been distributing the basketball. What does that mean if they're not in a system where there is a lot of offense being run? So it'll be interesting to see what this means for Wheeler. I'm very fascinated by this fit. I saw why it made sense for Keon Brooks. I can see why it made sense for Quade Green. I can see why it might make sense for severe Wheeler, but it is also a bit more of an odd fit. So we will see how this kind of shakes out. It's going to make Washington basketball at least a little bit more entertaining to watch, although I'm not sure if it's going to make them dramatically better right away. Next up, CJ Frederick. Frederick, we talked about him on Monday briefly uh, as he entered the transfer portal out of Kentucky. He just never really found it with the Wildcats. Uh, again, health was a factor for him. 27 games, 15 starts, 22 minutes a game, only scored six points, one and a half assists, only shot under 32% from three. He was brought to this team to be a gunner. He was brought onto this team to be a catch and shoot three-point specialist, and he just never really got it done. So now he hits the portal, not a surprise there. It just did not seem like that fit was going to continue to be fruitful for either Kentucky or Frederick. And now he goes to Cincinnati where he's going to basically be an instant replacement for Jeremiah Davenport. Jeremiah Davenport transferred also to Arkansas, joining Keon Menefield and about six other guards who have all gone to Arkansas this offseason. No idea how Eric Musselman's going to play all those guys. That's a question that he will have a lot of fun trying to figure out how to answer this summer. But for Frederick, he steps into a uh, the Davenport filled really admirably for the Bearcats last year, six, seven wing who averaged nine points a game shot 33% from deep on six attempts. Frederick again, 32% last year on four attempts at Kentucky. I suspect if Cincinnati and coach West Miller are willing to give him six, seven attempts per game that he should be able to shoot 33, 34, maybe 35% get back up to his more efficient shooting ways and be a guy who scores in double figures for Cincinnati. I really believe that this is a good avenue for Frederick to kind of end his college career on a high note because the Kentucky years just never really materialized for him. Again, injuries played a significant role for him. Uh, his Iowa career, Again, it was fine, but never really materialized in a significant way. But I could totally see him going to Cincinnati and finishing out his collegiate career on a high note, which I think was good for him. And I think good for Cincinnati. I think this is the kind of player that, that can really fit well uh, into what they're trying to do uh, on that team. We're going to close up the show looking at two big transfer portal additions to the SEC. Not guys moving out, guys coming in. Uh, we're going to talk about that right after this. All right, segment three, Stoney Patton still locked on college basketball, still focused on the SEC to close out the week here as we look towards a very exciting weekend, NFL draft coming up this weekend. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, the first round will have already happened, of course, uh, and some very fun transfer portal stuff going to continue to happen going into next week. But to close out the show today, we're going to talk about two players who have joined the SEC. First one, we're going to talk about Jamarion Sharp transferring to Ole Miss. Jamarion Sharp is huge. This is the story here. He is really, really big. Seven foot five center joining Chris Beard and the Rebels. He's got one year of eligibility remaining. It is the third transfer portal edition for Chris Beard. And it is the biggest one with no disrespect to Brandon Murray out of Georgetown or Austin Nunez out of Arizona State. Two players that I think are going to contribute uh, for Ole Miss next season. Jamarion Sharp is a load. 
and he is a player that the SEC does not want to have to deal with on a nightly basis. Last year in 29 minutes at Western Kentucky, Sharp averaged 7.4 points, 7.7 rebounds, and 4.1 blocks per game. He is the nation's leading shot blocker two years in a row. He blocked 131 shots last year. That's 20 more than anybody else. Chet Holmgren blocked 118 shots at Gonzaga, and that was with NCAA tournament games. Jamarian Sharp blocked 131 shots last year at Western Kentucky. Sure, playing at a different level, smaller guys, et cetera, et cetera. That's still absolutely insane levels of production as a rim protector, as a shot blocker. Chris Beard gets himself a player he can immediately throw down on the block, give him the basketball, let him get some buckets that way, but most importantly, let him make it hell for the opposing team to try to figure out how to score around the rim. That is what he's going to do. Uh, Sharp hasn't been much on the offensive end of the floor. Again, seven and a half points per game in 29 minutes. It's not awful, but for a team like Western Kentucky, like you, you'd want to see him scoring a little bit more. It's, it's fair to assume that he's not going to be maybe not even a double digit score at Ole Miss, but if he's blocking three shots per game at Ole Miss, in the SEC, making life harder for those guards at Alabama, those mini guards at Arkansas, et cetera, et cetera. That's a huge addition. He's a 63% shooter from the field. He has no outside shot whatsoever. And I mean, no outside shot. His first year at Western Kentucky, he shot 39.7% from the free throw line. Last year, he bumped that up to a solid 50%, but that's just not his game. He's not an outside shooter. He's not much of an offensive player at all. He can score around the rim because he is seven foot five. But what you get from him on the defensive end of the floor is massive. Chris Beard has had a relatively quiet offseason. Jamarion Sharp is a great addition. Brandon Murray, Austin Nunez, solid additions. But can he make another big splash? Because if so, then we start to have different conversations about Ole Miss. Right now, we're looking at a team that is being rebuilt somewhat slowly. That's fine. But what if he goes out and gets, let's say, Tyler Perry, who he has been connected to? out of North Texas. If Perry commits to Ole Miss, all of a sudden you have your point guard of the future. You have a center uh, who can get, who is going to make a huge impact defensively and who's going to get you some points on the board. That might start to, to move the needle a little bit for Ole Miss. So I don't think we're quite there yet with Chris Beard's team, but this is definitely a step forward. And if they're able to add Perry, then we're going to start having different conversations about the Rebels. Finally, closing out the show with an update on B.J. Mack, who has transferred from Wofford to South Carolina. This is a big addition for Lamont Paris, the fourth transfer portal addition, mind you, for this South Carolina squad, a team that is in the rebuilding as well. And they've really been needing to find a way to replace G.G. Jackson. G.G. Jackson was South Carolina basketball last year. Uh, he was one and done, a kind of a controversial draft prospect in part, because a lot of watching the film on him, it's hard to gauge how good he is because the rest of that South Carolina roster wasn't very good. Can he pass the ball? Can he be a bit more of a facilitator as opposed to just a low post score? Like what, what can he create his own shot? Like a lot of the questions we have about Gigi Jackson are a little bit harder to answer because that South Carolina roster wasn't very good last year. Harris is out there. He's making moves. He's trying to find new ways to, to change this roster a little bit. And he went out and got himself a stretch four in BJ Mack. At Wofford last year, or in his last two years at Wofford, B.J. Mack has averaged 16.5 points, 5.8 rebounds, 1.8 assists. He shot 58% on two-pointers and 37.5% on threes. He's also an 81% free throw shooter. 
So this is a six foot eight guy who can just score from all levels. He can score around the rim. He can score from deep. He can get to the charity stripe and contribute there. Uh, and he was a highly sought after player in the portal. He took an official visit to LSU. He took an official visit to Iowa. He had an official visit scheduled at Arkansas and ended up canceling that. Alabama was known to be very interested. And yet here he is going to South Carolina, a, a spot where he should get a lot of touches. A spot where, I mean, the 16 points per game that he averaged at Wofford, he could average that again at South Carolina. There, There is not a ton standing in the way of him being a premier SEC scorer. And as a guy who can stretch the floor the way that he can, it's going to put more pressure on opposing defenses. It's a really nice fit. It's a nice fit for Paris to get a guy who can do some of the stuff that Gigi Jackson was able to do. He's perhaps a little bit more polished. Uh, and I think it's going to fit really well. They still got work to do. Uh, again, we got a couple other additions for them. Hopefully that kind of can bring this team out of the cellar a little bit in the SEC. And it's kind of nice to see some of these programs that aren't the traditional basketball powerhouses in the SEC. Not Kentucky, not Alabama, not Arkansas. They're doing their own things. Don't get me wrong. And they're, they're all going to be good, solid teams next year. But it's nice to see schools like Ole Miss and South Carolina, and for that matter, Florida and LSU, who both – Isaac and I have not done my co-host Isaac Shade locked on college basketball here. We have not done our draft for our favorite transfer portal teams like transfer portal transformations. Um, But if, when we do that, LSU and Florida are two teams that I guarantee you are going to be talked about because they have made tremendous strides in the transfer portal this season. Now Ole Miss makes a big move with Sharp, potentially big move coming with Tyler Perry. Uh, B.J. Mack becomes the fourth addition for South Carolina, and again, a double-digit scorer from Wofford. I think you're looking at at some of these schools in the SEC who are kind of trying to figure out, like, hey, I don't want to just be down here forever. Like, I want to figure out ways to climb out of this and, and make sure that we can contend. You know, maybe we're not going to win an SEC championship, but let's go, you know, finish middle of the pack. Because if we finish middle of the SEC, we got a chance at, at getting ourselves in that large bid uh, and making some noise in the NCAA tournament. So it's always good. That's part of the, the benefit of the transfer portal. Uh, it's it's hard to see mid-major players lose talent, and B.J. Mack is obviously a very, very talented mid-major player, so is Jamarion Sharp, uh, but it's nice to see some of these higher-major programs willing to go add this kind of talent to their roster, able to secure it over bigger-name schools. Again, for Mack to pick South Carolina over Alabama and Arkansas is huge because it helps South Carolina get better, and it doesn't doesn't make those teams better. So it's always a nice benefit to be able to land players like that. So uh, exciting times in the SEC. We'll continue to have updates there uh, as we as we see more of these transfer portal players continue to, to commit. And it's going to be, there's so many more. Folks, there's so many, there's 900 players, more than that, 1,300 or so players yet to commit. We're not going to talk about every single one of them, but I, I wish we could, but we can't. We're going to continue to keep you updated on as many different transfer portal editions, NBA draft stuff as we continue to get more updates on that. Uh, we got so much more fantastic content coming your way for you everyday listeners. You're going to learn about a whole bunch of transfer portal stuff. But for now, that is going to do it for me today here, Friday, Locked On College Basketball. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. We got more stuff, fantastic stuff coming your way early next week as we look at another fun week in the transfer portal. So once again, if you are not doing so yet, you can find the show on YouTube, search Locked On College Basketball, hit that subscribe button. Button. You can leave us a review on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter. It's on your screen right there for those of you on YouTube. And again, thank you all for listening. Looking forward to next week. For now, though, enjoy your weekend and peace out.